0: Not sure what to expect or how to navigate the interview process? Want to make sure your personal statement hits the mark? AMSA's new program, Applied Match Preparation, or AMP, has been created just for you. Get personalized, one-on-one assistance from a team of experts and get ready to shine during the application process. Visit amsa.org slash amsa amp to get started today. Medical training and practice will be hard on you, and on your peers. Surviving the stress takes preparation and awareness. In this episode, we're learning about resiliency. Welcome to the AMSA AdLib Podcast, where you'll hear from med students and experts alike. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. Nina Aban had a couple years between undergraduate school and medical training. Now she's a rising second year at the George Washington School of Medicine and Health Sciences. It wasn't until late in her junior year at Stanford that she decided she would pursue medicine. She knew she would need a little time away from the classroom after her senior year to take the MCAT and apply for medical school, so she lined up a position as a lab tech. The time off had an added advantage for her mental wellness.
1: Yeah, so some of the benefits for me taking time off um, in between undergraduate and starting medical school was definitely, I would say, the biggest thing was learning what my priorities are. And by that, I just mean in college, I had a harder time figuring out academics versus kind of a balanced lifestyle. Um, It felt that I was always rushing to do stuff and then doing volunteer work um, and, you know, just taking a lot of classes uh, doing research in a lab, and while that was fun for a while, it became really overwhelming, and I, I really got really burnt out in college. Um, and you know, had a tougher time actually my junior year. Um, and so it was nice to take a break and then just figure out what is important to me, um, and figuring out how I could fit that into. Whatever career I, I decided to pursue, when I was an undergrad, I dealt with depression in my junior year, was when I was diagnosed. And I was also in the kind of middle of that, I guess the bigger arching story is um, you know, I identify as part of the LGBT community, and I was coming out. Um, kind of throughout college, really. I don't really think the process, like, stops, because you're meeting new people all the time. And that was something that I was dealing with in terms of coming out to my family and just being more open about that to my family. I would, wouldn't say it was a very difficult to do that with my friends or the friends I'd made in college. Um, But I think my junior year, I felt very isolated. A lot of my friends were studying abroad when I was still back on campus. Uh, And I just wasn't happy. Like, things that I really enjoyed doing, like, I really enjoyed working in a lab. Um, And that's why I wanted to do a PhD in the first place. Like, I loved that kind of academic inquiry, you know, being able to feel like, wow, like, even if it's just one specific subject, I'm, like, one of the experts in it. And I'm f- discovering new things. Like, I really enjoyed that because I started in high school. It was great. And, um, my freshman and sophomore year. And then junior year, just things that I had been doing that I really found fulfilling just weren't f- fulfilling anymore. And that was kind of a, to me, um, indication that, wow, like, there's something going on. And, you know, I really needed to, like, slow down and kind of reevaluate what I wanted and, like, if my priorities had changed.
0: Not everyone can plan for a gap before medical training. But what any future physician can take away from Nina's experience is the value of self-awareness and how she was preparing herself for the stress and rigors of medical school. Before entering school, what she was building up was her resilience. The reservoir she would need to stay afloat in medical school. Resilience or resiliency is being recognized as a critical tool for physicians and medical trainees. But what is it and how do you build it up? Here's AMSA's Rebecca Apple to explain.
2: I'm Rebecca Apple, Director of Student Affairs and Programming for AMSA National. The concept of resilience has grown in popularity and more and more health systems, hospitals and health institutions are are using that term. Um, It's closely linked to the idea of self-care and wellness and self-help. When I I think about resiliency, I think about not only bouncing back, but gaining strength from whatever challenges someone faces. And this idea actually, was brought up by Dr. Mamta Gautam, who's a a brilliant psychiatrist and who works with physicians on on resiliency issues up in Canada. So it's about um, not only being able to deal with adversity and handle stress, but also after something negative happens, being able to quote unquote bounce back and bounce back stronger than you were before.
0: Resiliency is important for everyone, Rebecca says, regardless of field.
2: It is of particular importance to the physician population, primarily because we've probably all heard that, you know, if if you can't love yourself, you can't love anyone and that and that kind of thing. Um, I recommend that, uh, you know, even undergraduates, that folks begin examining how they can best care for themselves, because the stress is all they do is increase throughout the training period. Um, If you can put together some strong habits, gain a strong sense of self-awareness so that you know when you're feeling stressed, what triggers you, what helps you, then you'll be in much better shape when it comes time to start taking care of patients. I do think that we are all... um, you know, subject to varying levels of resiliency. I mean, life is hard, right? No matter if we're physicians or not, life is difficult. Um, but I do think that the professional arena of medicine predisposes someone to burning themselves out. And so that's why it's so important to, you know, self-regulate. Um, it's it's critical um, in order to ensure that you can be successful as a physician. You've got to be aware of what is going on. And I think you know many folks view it again, like I said, as a weakness. And I think that is a societal issue. And I encourage medical students, residents and established physicians to really fight against that concept. We would not for instance, criticize um, an athlete who decided they were going to get more coaching for their sport. Why in the world would we criticize someone, you know, who is clinically um, brilliant and academically brilliant? Why would we criticize that person when they want to learn more? And in this case, it's simply learning more about taking care of themselves. So I think that um, this population really deserves a, a lot of attention in this area and, needs to support one another in knowing that it is not a weakness to be tired it is not a weakness to to need assistance um and to just have help taking a break and slowing things down part of the problem in the medical school population you know there's such an an enormous pressure in terms of performance so much relies on every single thing they do and that does not ease up once you're out of medical school then you have enormously more people relying on everything you do so you know that limited sense of control that struggle to get some sort of balance where you feel as though you're at least almost as important as everybody else in your life all of those things um really create an environment, an internal environment and an emotional environment that doesn't really lend itself to resiliency in general.
0: So resiliency is clearly important to trainees, but how do they build it up?
2: One of the most useful analogies I have is related to dog training, actually. Um, You know, the, the way that you will encourage a dog through positive reinforcement And the way dogs get excited when they learn something new and when they're able to please you, you can do the same thing with yourself, you know, um, it just takes repetitive behavior, it takes paying attention to the details and it's all about rewarding yourself. And as a result, you'll see enhanced performance. And, and that's what we see with well-trained dogs, right? Um, so I think that that is can be a very simple and helpful analogy when we're thinking about how to build ourselves up. Um, and a well-trained dog is going to be most helpful in any kind of situation, you know, you'll never lose control of that dog, even when the dog is off the leash. And so what we, what we strive for specifically with physicians is, you know, if, if we can get them to a place of high resiliency, no matter how stressful or out of control the situation gets, the more likely they are to be able to deal with it and handle whatever repercussions come their way. In order to cultivate resiliency, I think one of the most important things is to really have an idea as to who you are. And when we're very embedded in reaching a goal, we can seriously tune out our own selves because we're just focused on getting to the next step so that we reach our goal. So the important thing is to ask yourself, how do I know when I'm stressed out? Um, What kind of behaviors and, and what kind of emotions and what kind of Um, physical sensations do I feel when I'm stressed out? And many times, especially in medical school, uh, students will compensate for that. They'll say, oh, I'm just tired. Or, you know, as long as I just get get through with this exam, then I'll be able to relax. And that's not really enough. That's not building resiliency. What that is um, really is denial. So one of the most important things in terms of cultivating resiliency is to find your baseline. How do you know when you feel good? And do you know the things that threaten that? And from there, you have a good place to start. Beyond that, it takes some time to determine what makes you feel better when you feel bad. And med students and residents do not always believe they have the luxury of finding something that will make them feel better. I think that contributes to... The depression that we see in that population. I think it contributes to the drug abuse that we see in that population. And a lot of it is related to them feeling as though if they can't handle everything, then they are weak or a failure. And realistically, we know, you know, on a cognitive level, that's not true. And we would never hold anybody else to that standard. But we do see med students and residents and established physicians we do see them holding themselves to that standard so the next step in cultivating resiliency would be committing to yourself carving out time in your schedule each and every day to do something that you know makes you feel better um it could be it it start out very very small it could be just practicing your breath or reading um a short story Taking those little steps to make sure that you are able to get back into yourself as opposed to just living in your head, if that makes sense.
0: There are a number of ways that future physicians can tell if their resiliency is teetering or crumbling, according to Rebecca.
2: I think what we'll often see is um, lower patience levels, um, lack of interest in things that used to be of interest, um, withdrawal from, um, social situations, um, you know, the, um, just a general, um, emotional, a lower general emotional threshold. And, That is, It sounds as though that would be really easy to spot. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the medical school trajectory, it already limits how social you can be. And it already limits the time that you have available to devote to things you enjoy. And of course, your patience is going to be worn thin because you're exhausted. So the the normal med school environment almost mimics... um, a situation that resiliency would be threatened. So that's why it's so important to make sure that you know your own baseline and you know what symptoms really are coming from within versus coming from without. We hear so much about burnout and that has huge connotations um, in the physician population and um, it's linked to things like substance abuse and, um, Depression and suicide. So we hear so much about burnout, um, and to me, you know, that's addressing the problem way too late. Um, I think that with the medical student population and the resident population, what is most important to avoid burnout is to have somebody looking out for these folks. And yes, that that can be in the wellness center at their med school. But I also think that having a mentor, not a clinical mentor, but having a mentor, a professional mentor, who is inherently biased towards your success as a student or a resident, um, and who can be there as a sounding board, who can be there to say, yes, I remember what that was like. And here are some productive things that you can do. Um, I think that can be very valuable. And that's just one strategy. there are also a, a lot of, you know, exercises, you know, journaling and things like that, that that folks can perform. But I I think the most important thing is to realize that there are, there are professionals out there who can help med students in residence. So I would um, consider my voice the rallying cry for those individuals to get involved and to assist. And I don't I think it's important also that med students and residents know that they need support from a variety of individuals. It doesn't just have to be another physician. I think it's important that they have physician input. And I think it's important if you're a med student to have another med student's input. But I also think it's it's valuable for them to get the input and the perspective of folks who aren't in medicine. And I say that because you can almost start to get tunnel vision. And it's difficult for other people to help you, meaning your spouse or your significant other or your mother, if you have not taken into account the perspective of someone who isn't a doc. So I think that's very important. And we're seeing more of more of that actually in the professional medical arena where we have interdisciplinary collaboration and things of that nature. So I don't think it's Um, that grand a concept, but I think it is often lost on med students. Their their innate instinct is to go and find a doc who can help them or who they can talk to. While that's valuable, I'm not at all um, diminishing the importance of that. While that's valuable, there are other people who can bring very important and valuable perspectives as well. Recently at AMSA, we had the installment of our new national leadership team. So we had um, anywhere, I think it was like 65 medical students and pre-medical students uh, come to our national office just outside of DC. And what I asked them all to do was to create an artistic representation of their medical school experience. And they didn't have tons of um, artist tools at their um, disposal. So they were using pencils, pens, and a sheet of copy paper. And, you know, just from looking at what the students drew, the folks sitting next to them could easily see what really was going on inside of them. And it, it was a simple but a powerful exercise because, you know, we had people dropping off of cliffs on paper, we had people drowning, we had people floating in space, we had others, you know, skipping along with tulips and butterflies, we ran the gamut with it, but when you see it right there, black and white on paper, that you are drawing a picture of yourself as though you are falling off a cliff and that represents the last two years of your life. Well, it's hard to argue when you're looking at it that starkly, it's hard to argue with the idea that it might be time for you to start taking better care of yourself. So if that's what it takes, you know, then I encourage everybody listening to go ahead and get out a sheet of paper and a pencil and make an artistic representation of your um, medical school or your undergraduate experience thus far. And really take a close look and see, is that the way I want to feel? Um, Because this is the way I feel. So is that the way I want to feel?
0: Rebecca says while students can hunt around for some of their own resources on resiliency, there's one particularly important resource students themselves can develop.
2: And I think most important is also creating a space with your colleagues and potentially with folks who are not involved in medical training where it's safe for you to just be yourself. I think we have a lot of personal resources at our fingertips that we don't always think about.
0: Nina's experience in many ways squares with what Rebecca suggests.
2: You know, if
1: I had any advice for myself, starting uh, med school is to just pay attention, like how I feel emotionally at the end of each day and I know people have given the advice about like keeping a journal. I don't know how realistic that is. It was very difficult for me, so I I wouldn't give advice that I myself couldn't really keep. Um, But I think just kind of recognizing, I don't know, patterns within yourself, and that once you start getting worried, you know, maybe pay attention to that um, when when you notice that something is off. Like, even if you can't really place it, uh, I think that that was, you know, that was kind of when I noticed uh, my junior year when I was going through what I later, like, realized was a depression was that this isn't kind of my, I know this isn't my baseline. Like, I don't really know exactly what's happening. And I think that I tried to just, you know, not deal with that or to just ignore it because I thought that other things I was doing was just as important um, or even more more so important than how I was actually feeling. Um, and I think it's like that honesty, that recognition, that awareness, you know, is really key. And then being able to acknowledge that and then decide what you want to do about it. You know, when I, w- when I was in school, like taking classes, something that I did find, um, difficult was I was in a new city because I'd moved to Washington DC for medical school and one it, it didn't feel like home and a lot of what I did before a lot of what really brought me to, dis- to pursue medicine was the relationships I built in whatever community I was in whether that was in college like at Stanford or in San Francisco volunteering for different organizations and you know, just kind of feeling like I'm actually helping someone. I'm making a difference. And I'm learning about this community that I'm living in. And during medical school, we had some courses to kind of, you know, introduce us to the pop, like the patient population in DC. But again, it's the first year of medical school, I'm not really seeing, I don't have that much clinical exposure. Um, And when it comes to learning about Uh, disparities which I have an interest in and I'm sure a lot of medical students do where GW is located it's not necessarily the neighborhoods that you're finding like all of these like health disparities so I'm learning about something but I don't get to see it kind of in the same way you're like learning about all of the biology but then you have such little clinical exposure Um, and that was definitely something that I struggled with Um, But even more so, just feeling like I'm part of a community, especially when I feel that, you know, when we're taught to deal with patients, it's about like building trust and building that rapport. And I do feel like the way I envision myself as a physician, I really want to be someone that's oriented in the community and that I at least know the community I'm serving. And that's something that I felt like was missing. And I wasn't quite sure how to go about that, especially with a limited time.
0: Nina says she's doing well now with an important caveat.
1: So I will preface that by saying, you're catching me on summer break. So I'm, <laughs> and this, this is the summer after first year. So, you know, it's kind of at a high. I mean, I'm doing pretty well right now. I, one, I, I don't have any classes that I'm taking. So that's a load of stress off. Um, And two, I'm working on a project that I think is really fulfilling for me and really meaningful and that I think is important. And it's kind of a more relaxed project and not something that I've kind of done before. I've always done like wet lab research. And now I'm doing more of like a curricular assessment or review. And so I feel like I'm doing fine. Um, And I'm have enough time to do what I want to do uh, I have enough time to explore the city that I've been living in for nearly a year now that I don't feel I really know and now I'm just finally able to enjoy that I have you know a good group of friends that I've made this past year here at school and I think too like kind of go back to what I said noticing things about yourself I feel like if your friends or your family like notice things about you like that's also an important part of that like you may be way too caught up but and you may not think people are paying attention but they are and if it's you know people you care about or even someone who just says hey you look really down today like that's something to like engage with um, but as far as my plan if, if I have a plan B or not uh, yeah there's my plan B is kind of, or just my plan in general, like, uh, is to, you know, talk to the people who I know have supported me this far, you know, because even though I feel like good um, with the balance that I've been able to maintain, it's not that I did that by myself. Like, I definitely had a lot of support um, from friends, from family, um, from my partner, so it's just continuing to rely on those people, um, which sometimes can be difficult because I, you, you don't want to be a burden, but at the same time, you know, that's how you build like good relationships. Like You do have to rely on people and show people that, you know, y- you want to count on them and that they can be there for you. AMSA Adlib is brought to you by the American
0: Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Joey Johnson is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. Not sure what to expect or how to navigate the interview process? Want to make sure your personal statement hits the mark? AMSA's new program, Applied Match Preparation, or AMP, has been created just for you. Get personalized, one-on-one assistance from a team of experts and get ready to shine during the application process. Visit amsa.org slash amp to get started today.